You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Now, Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the word and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, uh, yesterday I stayed home with our kids so that Holly could go to the women's uh, retreat. And this would normally not be too big of a, a deal for me, but Simeon, our son, was sick. Um, and uh, so he was really having, we were having a rough time together. The girls were great. But, um, you know, through the, throughout the day, uh, several experiences where I was trying to, to really help him, but he resisted the, the help. We have this sort of um, uh, asthma inhaler thing for him because when he gets sick, his uh, chest gets really congested and he wheezes. But for a small child like that, they have this mask that you put on their face because they, you can't stick an inhaler in their mouth. And you have to imagine sticking something like that on a small child's face. He freaks out. And so it basically is a futile effort. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, or like he just now is so mobile when you try to change his diaper, it's impossible, uh, which is really difficult when he's gone the second of two options. Um, or uh, trying to get him to sleep when he's sick because you know that uh, that's going to help. And just constantly crying and, and resisting uh, the sleep. And this demonstrates that somehow, sometimes we, we need to go through things that appear to be bad, that, are, that feel like suffering, at least for a short while, so that we might have a greater reward or good. And you can't explain that to you know, a 14-month-old child. Um, but, but we get that. We've, we accept this in life with medicine, for example, as I've spoken of, or surgery that you know, is painful and has a, a, a phase of healing that is more painful than the pain you had before, but you know that it will yield a better result in the end. Or just think of athletic training and how difficult that can be if you've played sports or trained for a, a run or if you've been in the military and going through uh, boot camps so that you can be trained for battle. Uh, or may, even just things like maintaining a budget, you know, the sort of the mundane task of maintaining a budget or, or getting out of debt or fixing up your house for a while so that you can sell it at a profit or delaying gratification by saving money to, to make a, a larger uh, purchase or giving up four years of independence so that you can uh, have an education and, and have a career. These are all things that are normal to us and, and we accept them. We even have uh, cliches about this sort of thing, like everything happens for a reason, or what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. I'm not sure that that's always true, but uh, people say it anyway because they accept that this is sort of a part of life. And typically, um, we understand that the, uh, if we have an understanding of the, the desired outcome, it helps us to endure the, the short-term uh, suffering that we will have. I can't remember the source, but I recently read about a study where they had two groups of people to sort of test what I'm saying here, where they did a very, very boring job for, for a little while, and they told one group of people that they were going to get something like minimum wage, and then the other group of people a ridiculous amount of money, like six figures, for doing this terribly boring job. 
And of course, the people who were getting minimum wage hated the job and complained. And uh, the, the folks sitting in the cubicle next to them who were going to make six figures at the end of the year were chipper. They, they, they loved it because uh, they understood the, the outcome and were able to, to, to endure the meanwhile. And given that we accept the idea of necessary uh, suffering for the, the sake of reward, it's curious then that many people don't always expect this with religion, however. Uh, we challenge that there could be a, a, a God because there's pain and suffering and evil in the world. But we accept pain when it's sort of means to all the earthly uh, ends that I've just described. Meanwhile, we seem to uh, expect and demand bliss, sure, sheer bliss from anything spiritual. So when pain comes, uh, it, it yields doubt in us or we just simply drop out. You know, forget it. I, I can't buy into this. You know, I've had several people uh, since I've been pastoring here in Birmingham in conversations who've told me something to the effect that they're uh, afraid of either, uh, first of all, just committing to Christianity if they're not presently believers, but they're, they're sort of, they're wanting it. I've had several people told me that they're afraid of committing to Christianity or if they are Christian and see themselves as Christian, they're afraid to go deeper um, because uh, they understand that the Christian faith has implications. They intellectually understand the implications, and they're right, namely that Christian, uh, Christianity has painful consequences, that uh, if, if we follow Jesus Christ, we are guaranteed that life is not necessarily going uh, to be easier. And so through several conversations that I've had, people have admitted this to me, and that's the thing that's sort of standing in the way is the, um, the perceived version of American martyrdom, whatever it is, you know, is the thing that's standing in the way for them intellectually. Uh, so therefore, many people have a, a perception that if there is a God, uh, then there, uh, there should be no suffering, and if uh, God has uh, chosen people, that they in particular shouldn't suffer. But the Bible flat out denies this point of view. The Bible doesn't share that concern. And our passage today in Hebrews helps us to understand uh, this particular type of suffering, that, uh, the suffering of God's people, um, the disciples of Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews explains why Christians might uh, experience pain. And he helps us to also understand the desired outcome that's up ahead. And we've just listened to last week to Hebrews chapter 11, that famous chapter about faith and all the cast of characters from the Old Testament who've, had, who've demonstrated uh, faith amidst uh, trial often. And Brandon explained very well in his sermon um, a point about that, that, as he said, our future informs our now, that, um, that faith is an understanding of our future that informs our present reality, that we live in the present in light of what we know is up ahead. That's a knowledge of God's kingdom fully coming in the future, that this knowledge ought to shape our, our present life. Uh, this is uh, helpful to the Hebrews in particular because they're living a life that's marred by persecution. As I've said over and over again these past weeks as we've been going through the Hebrews, through Hebrews, if you haven't uh, been with us. And it's also helpful to us. 
It's helpful to us because we can uh, be, even if we're not being persecuted in the same way that the Hebrews were, we can be distracted or tempted or our faith can be challenged, uh, often in more subtle ways than the sort of direct and obvious persecution that the Hebrews were experiencing. Well, chapter 12 uh, in the the passage that we have today in the, the first sort of half of that passage through the 17th verse is now about uh, Christian life as one of endurance or perseverance is the word that you might hear people talk about, persevering in the faith. And as he describes it, it's almost like a, um, an endurance event, like, a, like I said, with athletes, like a marathon or an Ironman or the ultra marathons, which keep getting longer and longer and longer. I don't know how people do that, by the way. These bumper stickers that say like 100 plus miles, you know, how do you do that? Why would you want to do that? I don't get it. If I'm running, it's usually because I've missed, I'm going to miss a flight at a connection. That's about the one time a year that I run. Um, uh, why would you want to do that? Anyway, the, uh, the author of Hebrews explains the Christian life as, as training in, in this sort of sense, like the, the ultra-marathon uh, type person. And so he uses uh, discipline language to explain this life in the same way that a, a coach, you might think, trains an athlete, or the metaphor that he's using. It's not even a metaphor because we understand, as God is our Heavenly Father, that he equates it to a father disciplining our child, which is, as I said at the beginning of the sermon, we accept that in life, you know, that our earthly fathers might discipline us uh, for growth, that in the same way God is disciplining us in this life, and rather than our training being physical, it's a sort of a, a character training. And so the author exhorts his audience in the midst of the pain to not grow weary. That these earthly trials testify actually to a loving father who is disciplining us. And these uh, trials call for a response of endurance and, and not escape to not go AWOL, but to stay uh, in the camp. And the uh, author cautions uh, against uh, rejecting our trials, to accept them as a part of the, the Christian life. Just listen to these words. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. The alternative, by the way, is to, you know, to not have the discipline, to, 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 to lead a life where you can sort of um, be free range and do whatever you want. The alternative to not be a son of God is to be what? To be an orphan. Or the language he uses here is to be illegitimate, to not have a, a loving father. And listen to these words similarly. He disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so he's emphasizing that the uh, trial is temporary and the reward ahead is great. It's the greatest reward, actually. We see a similar kind of talk about, as some people have called it, the sort of cost of discipleship. The, the, uh, the, the price that we pay of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's just because it comes our way. We see this sort of talk throughout the New Testament. 
Um, before we went through Hebrews earlier this year, we went through 1 Peter. You will recall where Peter talks an awful lot about suffering. Just listen to what Peter says in uh, his third chapter. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. And skipping ahead a little, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Or just consider Jesus Christ himself, who promised uh, such a description of being one of his followers. He says in Matthew chapter 10, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as servants and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Or consider a, a, a more... Um, acute example where Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 where he says if your right eye causes you to sin tear it out and throw it away for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell and if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Now, he's not talking about literally plucking out your eye and cutting off your arm, but the, the, um, the spiritual things in your life, the, the things about your character. But speaking of cutting off literally right hands, do you know the story of the man Aaron Ralston? Maybe you saw the film or heard about the film with, uh, what's his name, James Franco, 127 Hours. Have you heard about this? Well, the man, uh, Aaron Ralston, he, the film is based on his book called Between a Rock and a Hard Place, where he was out in the desert in Utah doing what's called uh, canyoneering and these slots and the rocks there. And uh, while he was there, he pulled on a, 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 a small boulder that's lodged between the crevice, and it, it wedged his right arm in the wall. And there he was for 127 hours and couldn't get out of there. So in order to survive, he broke his arm and cut it off with a dull pocket knife. And he's still alive to tell the story. Um, now as painful as cutting off one's own arm must be, if he did not amputate it, he would have died. That he had to go through such excru excruciating trial, you must imagine, for 127 hours, but then the exact instance of, of cutting off his arm in order to live, that it had to be, be cut off. Otherwise, he would, he would die of starvation there in the canyon. Listen to this quote from Ralston's book. He says, and he's sort of talking to himself here in the book. He says, that boulder did what it was there to do. Boulders fall. That's their nature. It did the only natural thing it could do. It was set up, but it was waiting for you. Without you coming along and pulling it, it would still be stuck where it had been for who knows how long. You did this, Aaron. You created it. You chose to come here today. 
You chose to do this descent into the slot canyon by yourself. You chose not to tell anyone where you were going. You chose to turn away from the women who were there to keep you from getting in this trouble. You created this accident. You wanted it to be like this. You have been heading for this situation for a long time. Look how far you came to find this spot. It's not that you're getting what you deserve. You're getting what you wanted. Now, there are things about that passage that we can uh, disagree with. He's coming at it from a secular point of view. But perhaps that last line is helpful for us to ponder with respect to the Christian life in particular. When we suffer, we are not getting punishment that we deserve as Christians. We're getting what we want. It's the cost of following Jesus Christ which can be as painful as cutting off our own limbs, you know, whatever it is for us. Ralston's book is called Between a Rock and a Hard Place, which is a, a common saying about being in a pickle, you know, a sticky situation. The spiritualized version of that saying is uh, between the devil and the deep blue sea. Have you ever heard people uh, say that before? It's probably a reference to Israel during the Exodus, where, you know, there's Pharaoh and his army on the one side, and the, the sea on, uh, on the other side, both options before God splits the sea open are undesirable. One is fatal, uh, the other is dreadful, but with a, a great reward. In Israel's case, the reward was freedom, a promised land. Well, the second half of our passage, I've talked about the first pass, half of our passage, with, which emphasizes the discipline that God might be sending our way through the trials of this life. The second half of our passage explains uh, something similar about the two options, being between the devil and uh, the deep blue sea. Beginning at verse 18, the author of uh, Hebrews describes two spiritual realms. On the one hand, there's the old covenant, which some of the Hebrews are going back to. We've talked about this at the beginning of our study of this book. They're going back, wanting to go back to the old covenant because in the face of pain, they're fleeing to what is familiar. But the old covenant, as the author here describes it, is a source of fear and uncertainty. On the other hand, there's the new covenant. And the new covenant is far superior to the old. It's been a big message and the letter to the Hebrews, the superiority of Jesus Christ. The new is a promise of life and hope. And that's just it, though. It's a promise of what's up ahead. And still, uh, this life is uh, marred with pain. Meanwhile, we have trial and discipline and suffering and you and I are uh, tempted to complacency in the face of these trials in the same way that the Hebrews were. The tests of uh, this life, they reveal where we're weak. You know, when the lights come on in the cellar and the rats scatter, or in, probably in Alabama, when you go into the kitchen in the middle of the night and you turn the lights on and the roaches all scatter, right? That's what the trials in this life often do. They highlight uh, the, 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 the places uh, where we are, are weak and failing and, and need of healing. 
But our, our temptation, unlike the Hebrews, is not to go back to the old covenant because we don't live in that world, most of us. Rather, ours is uh, faithlessness and worship of false gods, the false gods of comfort, greed, lust, or you know, a sense of independence and individualism that I can do this all on my own, or whatever it is for you that's sort of deep down. Those are the things that we're uh, tempted to, and discipleship asks us to give these things up, to cut them off. These things are the, sort of the devil in that saying, and God's work in our life is, is the deep blue sea between a rock and a hard place. Both are discomforting, indeed, but one is the far superior option. Well, just to conclude, I wonder how you are uh, currently between a rock and a hard place. I wonder what boulders God may have sent your way. Or even if the boulders weren't sent by God, I wonder how God's working through those boulders that have come your way nonetheless. How does being between the devil and the deep blue sea look for you? What causes you to need uh, perseverance and endurance to the end? Well, the source of your strength to endure is, is not your own in these trials. No matter how hard you try, instead we live in great anticipation that is one of the sources of our strength. Like the people in that study that I told you about where one is going to get minimum wage and the other six figures. We know it's up ahead. And our reward is even greater than that. Our reward is kingdom come, which is eternity with God and with other people in peace. I mean, I was talking to someone about this the other day. I can't wait for the day where I, not just to mention living in eternity with God, but living with other people in peace. You know, I mean, just the, the, I'm not talking about world peace. I'm talking about just the people I'm closest with. I can't wait for that day. It's a beautiful thought. And that's the kind of thing that um, informs my now to live uh, through this uh, life uh, with endurance. Well, our passage ends today. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Basically, our proper response to this news about the kingdom that's up ahead, what God has done for us, is, is to worship God with all of our life, not just here on Sunday in a worship service, but with, with all of our life. And there's no greater form of worship than, than to depend on God and what he has done for us, even when the, when the going gets tough, in the midst of trials to still worship him with all of our life. And if you've forgotten uh, what he has done for you, hear these words also from our passage today. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Remember Abel killed by his brother Cain in Genesis. Well, what did uh, Abel's blood speak? What word did the blood of Abel speak? It spoke a word of death, of curses and vengeance for Cain. Every temptation that needs to be cut out of us leads us uh, to these things uh, as well. The trials of this life uh, may be doing surgery to cut them out. And what word does the blood of Jesus Christ speak, on the other hand? It speaks a word of life, a word of blessing, 
and a word of forgiveness for you. Even when life makes you doubt that this is true, it's still true. So hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ's blood for you. This is the source, the ultimate source, of your strength and your perseverance. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.